from the capital city, I'm Jazz Garrett. Two people were killed and three others seriously injured when a small plane crashed shortly after taking off from a rural Alaska community over the weekend, officials said. Five people were on board the plane operated by Vertigo Air Taxi when it went down Sunday afternoon, about three miles north of Old Harbor, according to the U.S. Coast Guard. Old Harbor is on the southeast coast of Kodiak Island, about 70 miles southwest of the city of Kodiak. The plane took off from Old Harbor and was bound for Kodiak when it crashed in hilly terrain said Clint Johnson, chief of the National Transportation Safety Board's Alaska region. The agency is investigating the crash, and a National Transportation Safety Board representative arrived in Kodiak on Monday. Two of the people had serious injuries, and the third was in critical condition, Johnson said. The rate of deaths of pregnant women and new mothers in the U.S. has more than doubled over the past two decades, and it's evident that minority women suffer the most. AP correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. Researchers looked at maternal deaths in the U.S. between 1999 and 2019, looking at every state and five racial and ethnic groups. What they found, according to a study in the Journal of the American Medical Association, is that black women died at the highest rates in the country. An example is Arkansas, where black women are twice as likely to have a pregnancy-associated death as white women. The largest increases in maternal mortality were found among American Indian and Native Alaskan mothers. Study co-author Dr. Allison Bryant says the study is a call to action to understand the root causes and to make sure health care is accessible to all. I'm Jackie Quinn. Among wealthy nations, the U.S. has the highest rate of maternal mortality, which is defined as a death during pregnancy or up to a year afterward. Common causes include excessive bleeding, infection, heart disease, suicide, and drug overdose. You can read more about this on our website, kinyradio.com. Study says recovery of Cook Inlet belugas is seen as economically valuable. The study by a fisheries economist with the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration used a survey of randomly selected Alaska households that asked about willingness to pay for recovery of Cook Inlet belugas. Willingness to pay is an economic concept that measures value. It describes the maximum price a consumer would pay for a good or service or what citizens would consider fair to pay for a public service. For Cook Inlet Belugas, the survey 1,747 Alaska households revealed an aggregate willingness to pay, totaling $99 million in 2013 dollars, according to the state-of-the-art model used in the study. That compares to the $73 million cumulative cost in 2013 dollars that was tallied in the Cook Inlet Beluga 50-year recovery plan released in 2016. The study did not survey households outside of Alaska. Had it done so, it would have yielded a higher aggregate value, said author Dan Liu, who works for NOAA's Alaska Fisheries Science Center. Liu, in a statement released by NOAA Fisheries, said the results show that Alaskans value this unique population. Coming up next on News of the North, the entire planet sweltered to the unofficial hottest day in human record-keeping July 3rd. On July 4th, Alaska state troopers received a report of a disturbance in Ketchikan, and there was an unexpected explosion during the fireworks show in Juneau the night of the 3rd. Coming up next with Jordan Lewis. Welcome back to News of the North. I'm Jordan Lewis. Spencer Fielding, meteorologist at the National Weather Service, Juno, talked to News of the North about how temperatures are looking midweek to Friday. Fielding says this week there's a special weather statement for higher temperatures. We issued a special weather statement for of 
abnormally warm temperatures for southeast Alaska with possibilities of high temperatures being 10 to 15 degrees above normal for this time of year. So we are trying to get the message out that it could be pretty warm and especially for those of us here in southeast who do not have the ability to get out of the heat to kind of get that message ahead so that they can plan for it. This is where and when you can expect the hot weather in southeast. It looks like a whole panhandle event with everywhere from Ketchikan all the way up north even into Yakutat being affected by it. Right now, temperatures are looking like they will be really in the 70s to potentially low 80s depending on location, especially farther south. Right now, though, those could change as we get closer to the time and the details of the forecast become more clear. Really, it's going to be starting for middle of the week and then right now it looks like our highest temperatures will be by Friday. And that's not all. The entire planet sweltered to the unofficial hottest day in human record-keeping on July 3rd, and then blasted past that with an even hotter day on July 4th, according to the University of Maine scientists at the Climate Reanalyzer Project. For two days straight, the global average temperature spiked into uncharted territory. After scientists talked about Monday's dramatic heat, Tuesday soared 0.31 degrees Fahrenheit even hotter, which is a huge temperature jump in terms of global averages and records. The daily but preliminary unofficial heat record comes after months of truly unreal meteorology and climate stats for the year, such as off-the-chart record warmth in the North Atlantic, record low sea ice in Antarctica, and rapidly strengthening El Nino, said University of Oklahoma meteorology professor Jason Furtado. You can read more about this on our website, KINYradio.com. And Mike Lane, KNY's morning show host, was on the 4th of July fireworks barge when there was an unexpected explosion. We had just started the firework display, and Jason Bloom and Sigrid Dahlberg had been rehearsing for a good hour prior to the display and just started with the show. A large explosion happened immediately, got very, very quiet on the barge. There was a little bit of debris falling, and then the lights came on from the tugboat. Here's what happened next. The explosion was huge. I I know that it looked large from shore, but on the barge, it was massive. It destroyed the pod that that particular firework had been sitting in. I forget how many fireworks are in each pod, but that pod was absolutely gone. It was disintegrated. They had later found a piece of that six-inch ABS pipe, six-inch diameter, probably four foot long or so, on the tugboat. It had launched itself from the front of the barge toward the rear of the barge, past everybody, and landed on the tugboat. Lane details the safety response, and fireworks resume shortly after. Everybody was safe. Nobody got injured, thankfully. And, you know, that entire crew is so very safety conscious that they stopped everything, unplugged everything, keys were out of any of the igniters, and they all decided, okay, these two people are going forward with the fire extinguishers to double check, make sure everything's okay. And they recounted all the fireworks to make sure that everything was accounted for and then took inventory of what they could fire off after that. And on July 4th at about 10.20 p.m., the Alaska State Troopers received a report of a disturbance at mile 5 of the South Tongass Highway. AST responded to the scene and investigation revealed that LaShawn Garrett, age 23, of Ketchikan, assaulted a family member. Upon being arrested, Garrett also assaulted a law enforcement officer at the scene and physically resisted arrest. Garrett was ultimately arrested for two counts of assault in the fourth degree and resisting arrest. 
Garrett was remanded to the Ketchikan Correctional Center with no bail. AST would like to thank the concerned citizen who reported the disturbance to law enforcement. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. I'm Jordan Lewis for News of the North.